Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to the Travel Advice Show. I'm Chris Newton, one of the co-hosts, and my other co-host, Jerry Four. How you doing, Jerry? Fantastic. How are you doing, Chris? Oh, doing good, doing good. I'm looking forward to the topic. I'd like to be there right now. Unfortunately, I'm not there, but I would like to be there. Um, would you like to introduce oh, our, our topic and our guests there? Yeah. Oh, I'd love to because it's one of my favorite spots on earth. It's yeah. um, uh, truly um, a magnificent destination. I've been about 25 to 30 times myself and just worship it. Uh, we're very, very um, thrilled to have with us Rodney Smith, who is Vice President of Sunspots International, and they specialize in the South Pacific Islands. Welcome, Rodney. How are you today? I'm really good, Jerry and Chris. It's, it's really great to be on, and I, I'm never at a loss for words. I'm, I'm a bit like you, Jerry, when you when you talk about French Polynesia as being such a fabulous fabulous destination and, and one of my absolute favorites. There's so many aspects to the country that make it a must-see for, for any world traveler, and you know, even for people who haven't traveled extensively, it, it's still a very easy country to get around with a warm, hospitable culture. It's still very safe and, and clean and green, and yeah, I, I never miss a chance to chat about, about French Polynesia. Well, before we go too far, I think we need to do some definitions here, because most people in the world, especially if they've never been, uh, refer to French Polynesia as Tahiti. And um, would you want to give us a little brief geographical background as to what French Polynesia is and what people should really call it and other places in there? Well, French Polynesia is made up of five archipelagos and, and over 75 islands. And so the most famous of those islands and where all of your international flights, arrivals, and departures um, are from are from Tahiti. So so many people refer to traveling to French Polynesia as I'm going to Tahiti. And, well, they are very accurate because they are going there. <laughs> yeah. But then, you know, they, they would typically go on to other, other regions of the country or other islands, Bora Bora, an island so nice they named it twice. You know, Morea, Huahini, you know, a, a wide variety of options from from small luxury boutique-style properties to pensions and guest houses, five-star luxury cruise ships, private yachts. There's there's a myriad of, of opportunities for travel in, in, in French Polynesia. And, you know, having those islands also be so close together, it's neat to be able to, to look across from the main island of Tahiti and, and just a six-minute flight away just across the channel is, is Morea. And and it is kind of neat to be able to see see the island so close together. Mm -hmm. Now, when is the best time to go? Is there such a thing as the best or a better time to go to those islands? Friday. That's my stock answer. <laughs> Friday night. Uh, yeah, the, the <laughs> next Friday. Friday. Go as soon yeah, as you yeah. can. Right away. Tomorrow. <laughs> Tomorrow. I, 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 always, I always answer it that way. You know, French, uh, the, the islands of Tahiti uh, it lies about 18 degrees south of the equator. So you have the main island of Hawaii lies 20 degrees north of the equator. So same time zone, same day. And so, you know, a lot of people don't have an issue with traveling to Honolulu year-round, and, and Tahiti's actually a little bit closer to the equator, so it is, is a little bit warmer year-round. You're going to have a warmer, wetter season during during this time of year, so December through March. You can have it be, you know, 84 to 88 degrees. You know, you get some really, really nice warm days, but you're also going to get some increased rainfall. With their summer season also comes the, the fresh flora and fauna in full bloom, so that increased rainfall makes it a very green, lush time of year to be down there. 
But also keep it in mind that I don't really find it to be an awkward or a bad time of year to go because those rain showers come as anybody who's traveled to the South Pacific very fast and very furious. So you'll see a you'll be on your moped driving around the island. You'll see a cloud coming on the horizon, and you keep driving. It gets a little bit closer, a little bit closer, and all of a sudden it's over the top of you and absolutely buckets down rain. But the great part about the islands of Tahiti is that there aren't any land masses tall enough to intercept those clouds. And so the clouds never bump up against those mountains and then rain on you for a week straight like some of the islands of Hawaii. You actually have those weather patterns continue right over the top of the islands. And, and then you're, you're soaking wet on your moped and it's bright, sunshiny sky out again. So you're going to have a little bit cooler, a little bit drier season during the, the big honeymoon season when a lot of our honeymoon travelers choose, choose French Polynesia in that May to September time frame. And then the, the, the moderate seasons or kind of the transition seasons would be, you know, April, May time period and September, October time period where you're still getting a good, consistent, warm flow of weather, but maybe not, not as much rainfall. And um, it's, it's, a, it's a very pleasant time of year to be down there almost, almost any time. You, you can look for a little bit warmer and wetter this time of year, a little bit cooler and drier during, during our summer months and, and their winter. But other than that, I don't find the weather to be – they don't have a, a real traditional cyclone season or a hurricane season, so there's no real time of year that you're trying to avoid – you know, do that type and style of, 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 of weather pattern so you can feel safe and rest assured that you could go just about any time of the year and have some beautiful warm sunny skies, uh, crystal, crystal blue water and, and lagoon to, to have a swim in and, and, a, and a warm, friendly, hospitable culture that that's very much welcomes you as, as part of their new family. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a question. Um, if you're the first, okay. if it's your first time to French Polynesia, do you recommend an island in particular that you should go for the first time? Or well, it's kind it, of fun because I always ask people, you know, what they're after. You know, with the main okay. island of Tahiti, it's a big island, and so yeah. there's a lot of things to do. You could spend two weeks on on the main island of Tahiti oh, okay. and nowhere scratch the surface of all of the the broad palette of opportunities that they have there. One of the challenges with Tahiti, though, is the majority of the beaches they have on the island of Tahiti are black sand beaches or volcanic sand. And so when people associate French Polynesia, they're thinking about that crystal blue water and those white sand beaches, and, well, Tahiti doesn't have a lot of that. They do have some, but but typically some of the other islands are a little bit better if that, you know, walking on that, that beautiful white sand beach is, is really what you're after. So, you know, island, the second most visited of the islands is Morea. And it's a it's a fabulous island with a with a really broad variety of accommodation and, and activities. And so, what you're finding is that French Polynesia, because Tahiti, because all of the international flights land there, you have even people who are coming in transit from North America to say Australia, New Zealand, may stop off and spend a day or two or three there. And so you have the the largest number of visitors visit Tahiti. The second most is is Morea. They receive about 190,000 visitors a year. That sounds like a until you look at, you know, Honolulu Airport receiving 78,000 visitors a day, you know, makes Morea seem like, well, gosh, what they do in, in, in a whole year is barely what a couple days worth of traffic to, to Hawaii would be. So it's still, you know, very unexplored. Uh, you know, with only a couple hundred thousand people you're traveling there, you know, there aren't crowds of people. There isn't masses of, of traffic everywhere. You know, you, you do still have, you know, small resort properties that, you know, are, are right around the 100, 150, you know, hotel room sort of sort of size and range. So that makes it a little bit unique that there's also no real high-rises on Marais. So when you go and you go to a property, 
typically most of them are one or two stories, and so you don't have those, you know, mega structures of being oceanfront but still being on the 38th floor looking out over the sea. You don't have anything like that. Rather, they choose to opt for the bungalow-style accommodation, more of that thatch roof design, you know, that, that traditional Polynesian look and feel to it, which, which definitely makes you feel like you're someplace different than, than maybe some of the other tourist destinations that you've been to in the past. When you move out to islands like Bora Bora, they're receiving still less than 100,000 people a year. I think last year there were about 92,000 visitors to Bora Bora. So as you can see, when you're getting away from Tahiti to Moray to Bora Bora, you're, you're, you're almost going in half the number of visitors that get out there. So it is even more laid back than Moraya. But you can go out and visit islands like Kuahini that only receive 5,000 visitors a year, islands like Manihi and Tikihau that only receive 3,000 visitors a year. So it really depends on how remote and removed you'd like to be from the rest of the world and 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 what sort of a type and style of resort amenities you're looking for. And so I still find that you can go visit a really remote island like like Manihi that only receives, you know, less than 3,000 visitors a year, but still stay in a five-star luxury overwater bungalow with fabulous restaurants. It's just you don't have anybody else there. They have one little 20-room hotel, a couple little pensions, and that's it. And so for people who don't like, you know, seeing jet skis racing around a lagoon or, or, or just the, the, the other people out and about, it's neat you can actually still travel someplace within that country. And what we'll have a lot of people will do, we'll customize our itinerary. It's kind of hard to go from modern-day America with all of our 24-hour Internet and Wi-Fi and, you know, there isn't anything that I think as Americans we can get any time of the day. So it's it's kind of hard to to immerse yourself right from the the airport in L.A. to Manihi overnight, where it's you know you it's not quite the end of the world, but you can see it from there. So it is it is a little bit hard. We like some people to you know kind of put together a couple different islands because these islands are relatively close together. Only you know Morea is only a six minute flight from 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 Papiere. Bora Bora is only an hour flight from Papiere. And um, the Tuamotus in, in Manihi and Tikihau are, are also less than an hour away. So, you know, when you talk about, you know, wanting to incorporate maybe a few islands within a, a week's vacation, it's very easily done. And, and the, the access of getting through airports in French Polynesia is much simpler than getting through airports here in America due to the, the they don't have as the big security challenges that we, we are still going through here. So, you know, popping over to another island still still makes it pretty easy, but it still makes it a very realistic expectation. Air Tahiti also has flights to neighboring countries now over to like the Cook Islands. So, you know, even if you're wanting to go fly into French Polynesia, visit two or three islands there, you also have the opportunity of popping over next door to the Cook Islands, which is still only, you know, 425 miles away. So, they try and make it make it pretty easy for you to to get down there and see a, a pretty wide variety of of accommodations. So you can go from America to you know an island that's got you know a, a great deal of amenities and facilities and and people and and tourism. And then throughout your course of your vacation, as you become more and more Polynesianized, as you're walking a little bit slower, getting more used to not sitting around watching television, but you know that that slower pace of life, that that island time that they that they thrust upon you, you are more ready for expanding out into some of the other areas where you're doing a lot less of the racing around trying to get everything done and shopping and all of that sort of stuff and, and really enjoying the people and the culture and, and that time away from the computer and, and the office phones and those sort of things. And this is a very neat place where you can actually go and get away from all that. You sort of referred to it, but if you were going the first time to French Polynesian, 
what would you recommend other than a year or a lifetime to be a, rec a, a really a decent time to go to get an idea and a feel for it? How well, what I love is, you know, for, for people that are going to go for the first time, you know, right now is a fabulous time of year to go because if you're not going for your 25th wedding anniversary, if you're not going as a honeymoon, saying, gosh, we're going to go to Tahiti as a, as a vacation, currently the, the best values or what they consider their off-season. They have a tremendous number of people travel to French Polynesia for that romance and that honeymoon market. So people that are traveling because they just got married, because it's their 25th wedding anniversary, big occasions. What that lends itself to is the majority of their visitors come in May to October which mm -hmm. there are not a lot of specials. There are not a lot of special deals on airfares. There's not a lot of specials on rooms and uh, free meal inclusions, those sort of things, because that's typically when they're the most busy. So, you know, if you looked at a world standard of when people really like to go to French Polynesia, it's May through October. When I suggest people who have an opportunity to go throughout the year, I always suggest just the opposite. If you go from October till May, you're getting, like right now, currently you have free meal programs. So anybody who's heard that the euro may be increasing or in, in its strength against the U.S. dollar, and of course French Polynesia is, is still based on the, the Pacific franc but has a fixed exchange rate against the euro. So as the euro grows, the U.S. dollar becomes a little less valuable there. So going during a time of year when all meals are included, that's a fabulous value, you know, to be able to go on vacation or, you know, they have a lot of properties who also have pay stay specials where if you stay five nights at a property, they'll give you two nights for free. So anytime when I can go on vacation and get two nights thrown in for free on a five-night stay, that's a, that's a great value. And you're still having that warm lagoon temperatures. You're getting all of the fresh fruits and flora and fauna in season. And so it's a very beautiful time of year to go. So, you know, depending on what your budget range is, you know, currently the, the Tahiti tourism statistic today say the average person who's traveling to French Polynesia as a couple is spending $11,000 on their vacation. Now, that lends itself to say, wow, $11,000, that is a tremendous amount of money. But when you look at the type and style of accommodation that's accessible in, in French Polynesia with a lot of the new properties like the Four Seasons, St. Regis, Borborn Nui, um, Bill Gates is currently on his, on his fourth year in a row to, to the Waitaha um, property. Uh, and so you, you're getting some really high-end accommodation. Uh, we had Nicole Kidman come down and stay at, at the St. Regis last year in one of their 7,000 square feet, three-bedroom deluxe beachfront suites. And, you know, it's only $7,500 a night. So if you'd like to go and stay, you know, <laughs> 10 nights there, it's, it's as she did, it's, it's, you know, you can, you can definitely spend a few dollars there. So, you know, I, I find that taking advantage of some of those specials and, and meal inclusions and pay stays really helps kind of get around that, that high average that, that French Polynesia has for, for travelers. But for people who've got a few extra dollars laying around, there's some pretty incredible experiences and types and styles of accommodation that, are there that aren't found in a lot of different places in the world. So maybe the Maldives has, has some of those beautiful overwater bungalows as well, but they're you know, much mm -hmm. more challenging to get to. So for right. people mm -hmm. who can get on a plane and seven and a half hours later, eight hours later out of L.A., be in French Polynesia and having access to not the massive megastructure, you know, 2,000 room hotels, but rather these small, quaint individual overwater bungalows. Uh, I was telling Chris on the phone earlier, I said, you know, once in your life, it is truly special to have your room service delivered to your room by Outrigger Canoe. 
Not by a guy who came up with a little tray and an elevator, but somebody who rather gets paddled out across the lagoon, comes up to your little private <laughs> landing platform over your over on your overwater bungalow, sets up your your full breakfast for you right there. You know, with the sun coming up over the lagoon of Bora Bora, you're mm. taking the little bits of croissant and throwing them off the the railing and feeding the fishes underneath of your underneath of your room and. Those are really the the type and style of experiences that that truly keep people coming back to French Polynesia and really has has it holds such a fond place in people's hearts because of those of those things that are so much different than maybe some of the other places they'd visited before in their life. You mentioned Bora Bora several times. It is my favorite island in the world that you can get to easily. And I tell you, do you want to describe that experience? And maybe we shouldn't. Uh, as you get off that plane at the airport and you walk through that open area of the terminal getting your luggage, and when you walk past it toward the boat and you turn and you look to the right, you want to describe that experience? Well, it, it's kind of unique because, firstly, the the American military is what helped made a lot of the, make a lot of these islands accessible during the Second World War. So when we were afraid of the Japanese invasion in the Pacific, the, the U.S. military came out and they built airstrips on a lot of these little remote coral islands. And so when you fly into Bora Bora, every every person's stay in Bora Bora starts with arriving at an at an airport that's on an island on the fr- on one of the fringing barrier reef islands, one of the small motus fringing around the outside of the lagoon. So when you get off to get your luggage, you're met and you come out of the you come out of the airport with Mount Otemanu in the background, you know, looking across the lagoon from the little motus. So you're looking on onto the uh, interior of this calm crystalline blue water that you know, poets and and artists have been trying to capture and words it on <laughs> on canvas for years, and and until you step off there, it's still. And I, Jerry, I think that you you'll agree with me. This is one of the only places in the world that it actually looks better than the brochures. You know, I sit and I yes. look at my brochures, and what I try and capture. It's so it's so non panoramic. You know, you you you're only taking these very small fragments. You don't get the the feel of the humidity, the smell of the flowers in the right. air. You don't get the smiles of the people. <laughs> you know, it's so hard to capture those sort of things. That you know, for those people who have ever gone on a vacation and got to where they went and says, "Wow, this doesn't look nearly as good as what it did in the brochure." French mm-hmm. Polynesia is just the complete opposite. They see all the pretty pictures and they're expecting it not to be as nice, and they get there and it's even more brilliant colors it's even the sands even wider the food's even better it it, it really does exceed so many people's expectations and i think getting off that that plane at the airport of bora bora really does that once you're seeing that entire you know landscape of of the main island of bora bora in front of you with you know the large rugged mountainous interior you know poking up to the top of the clouds it is it is breathtaking. It's so many, and it's it's really funny because you just see people with all their cameras just going for it. You know, take a picture. Will you take our pictures? Will you take our pictures? You know, and, you know, everybody comes away with the exact same pictures. And that I always say that that's the most photographed airport in the world because people get off and here they are still at the baggage carousel, basically. Take our pictures. Take our pictures. Oh, it's beautiful. So it, 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 it is a very unique site of any island in the world, isn't it? Exactly, and that's that's the hard part. Is you have to have an airport to get to some of these sort of places, but it, it is just that. It, it definitely puts it back out there. But, you know, I think still it's, it's such a small it's such a small island. You know, I, I was in Bora Bora earlier this year, and I was at the Hotel Bora Bora, and we were having lunch, and 
And the lady, she says, uh, my favorite little girl in the whole island. Oh, oh it's, it's really fun because they have little number 12. Oh, they have fabulous chefs and, and like you said, a really neat variety of, of bungalows and accommodation. But the lady, she was telling us, says, oh, well, we've got a very special table for you. You know, it's, it's the, it's the first one here. And we came back and, and I went to use the restaurant, came back and, and they were kind of, the, the waitress had sat us down and was having a chat with the, the manager and I got to go back and tell the other people that, that we were, we were seated at the wrong table and we actually had the prime minister's table and he was now at the table next to us looking at how we ousted the prime minister out of his table for lunch. And so <laughs> it, it's still one of those places that even on the small little remote island, the guy at the table next to you, yeah, it could be the head of the country. So, you know, it, it is not very pretentious we were all i had some travel agents there and and they were they just couldn't believe that the prime minister was at the next table but more importantly that there wasn't secret service or bodyguards and they were all laughing because uh, it's tahiti you know it's french polynesia that's, that's yep. just not how they do things so you know the the fact that you get around by water taxi you know the main island you can bicycle around in in about an hour's time you know it is still a very small remote locale and so you know, the having a wide variety of accommodation and uh, to fit um, a multitude of budgets and 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 needs. You know, the they do have some pretty pretty over the top sort of things. Uh, you know, like you go back to the Saint Regis, where instead of having a pool on the mainland, which of course they have, they now have of course overwater bungalows that have full swimming pools over water, full freshwater swimming pools <laughs> over water. In addition to their main pool on the mainland. So, you know, having a hot tub on your deck, on your overwater bungalow, those sort of things are, are not uncommon. You have a new, you have the brand new refurbished Lay Meridian Hotel. You know, they've got a turtle sanctuary and, and they've built a lagoonarium. So they've enclosed and are now capturing and taking in wounded turtles and, and rehabilitating them back to life. They have a whole turtle breeding program. And so while you're there, you can go out and literally just underneath of their overwater re- restaurant be snorkeling and, and feeding the turtles and, and getting that sort of real up close and, and personal sort of feel. So, you know, I, I still find that, you know, you go to restaurants like Bloody Mary's and you see the, the lifestyles of the rich and famous people that they put their names up on the board having visited there and, and, and enjoyed a meal that, you know, those, those people are quite often at the table right next door to you. So, you know, I, I, know I think I, I do think it's it, it's a unique place because when, when you talk about you know that service like uh, Hotel Bora Bora has and the the level of bar that they've raised to to that experience, it, it is pretty pretty fabulous. I mean, I still one of my favorite things is because all of these islands have water taxis and most of the resorts you get around in between by water taxi you end up sitting on the end of a dock waiting for a boat to come and and now what they do is they have like a little a little um uh newspaper holder at the end of the pontoon and inside of it are are five baguettes and so while you're sitting there waiting for your boat to come you bust off a chunk of the bread and you start feeding the fishes over the <laughs> over the end of the dock while you're sitting there waiting there. and it, it just it makes this experience you say I'm waiting for a transfer there's usually nothing neat or picture worthy of waiting in a hotel lobby someplace to go to your next right. place or to go out for a meal and yet in Bora Bora it's this opportunity to see 
hundreds of different species of tropical fish all, you know, feet away from you underneath of your pontoon where you're getting ready to catch your transfer out of. So, you know, they do have some things that way that people aren't ready for. You know, they, they, they just don't understand. They see the pictures. They know it's over water, but they still have a hard time really encompassing what it's going to be like. And, you know, in February when I was there, I stayed at the Intercontinental Hotel at the New Thalasso Spa. And, and in one of their premium overwater bungalows and, and I was checking into my room and the people that I was with, the travel agents that I had on tour, they were also checking in just across the pontoon from me. And I wasn't in the room 90 seconds and all of a sudden I heard all this screaming from the room next door and all this commotion <laughs> and I walked back over there to see what's going on and literally within 120 seconds of them walking into the room through the back door out onto their swim platform they noticed there was four spotted eagle rays swimming in a circle underneath of their <laughs> underneath of their room and so they're ripping off clothes and putting on bathing suits grabbing the mask and snorkel out of the mini bar that's you know in every room and within 5 minutes of being in their hotel in Bora Bora they're snorkeling with stingrays underneath of their overwater bungalow and they just, they just couldn't believe it and so you know those sort of things are really what what really set this destination apart is that that one-on-one -on -one proximity that that first person over the water in the water if you sleepwalk you're going to end up wet at night sort of experience you know you you think of so many people that have, have really resigned themselves to the fact that you know i'm going to stay in an oceanfront room or i'm going to stay in a you know beach view and you're on the 38th floor and what i tell people is you know put yourself in that proximity yes you're 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 having that great view but if you're on the 38th floor you have to walk down the hall to the elevator you push the button and you wait for the mm -hmm. elevator and it stops on three floors on the way down and you go out the through the lobby, past the restaurant, past the pool, mm -hmm. out to the ocean. I says here you take four steps out of your room and you're you're in that lagoon and that's really what we want to do is put people in that right on the beach front, right over the water. And so they really can take advantage of the seventy five different species of live coral, the over hundred and fifty species of tropical fish that all reside directly underneath of them. And so that really is, is is part of what takes people's breath away and keeps people coming back because you know, they go other places in the world, but even with even with the sheer physical beauty of, of Tahiti and her islands, you still it probably pales in comparison to, to the people. You know, when you're still looking at a country that tourism is relatively new, you know, you're only about 50 years into the tourism industry for French Polynesia. When you consider that a lot of Caribbean nations have experienced visitors from America for over 100 years, well, the last 50 years of visitors from, from America have been a lot kinder to coral reefs, have been a lot kinder to uh, their cultures, their land. They haven't purchased all of the prime locations. It's not all run by, you know, we have still have large hotel chains that are owned and operated by Tahitians. Uh, Pearl Resorts is a really great example of that. So it's not just all these out, out, uh, you know, international investors that have come in and bought the best places and, and have now, you know, are, 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 are using the, the locals as staff or whatever. It's, it's just the opposite. You have really great success stories of Tahitian born companies that are, are providing an international world standard and one of that was just rated um, Pearl Resorts was just nominated as the seventh best hotel chain in the world in the in the in one of the most recent I think it was travel and leisure study or one of the travel and leisure readers poll awards mm -hmm. so competing with brands like Four Seasons and real international uh, you know exclusive names 
St. Regis, those sort of things. It, it's neat to see a local Tahitian brand be able to come and put on such a great product. So, no, I, I, I find that there's a, a really neat neat opportunity to to come to some place like, like Tahiti where the culture is a really big aspect of, of that, that place. You know, when you can go walk on the beach and there aren't panhandlers and peddlers, you can enjoy the uh-huh. sand. You can enjoy, you know, not even when you go to town, you know, because there isn't, you know, haggling or those sort of things, you have very bad salespeople in Tahiti. You know, they will sit there and they'll be <laughs> gossiping with the people that are at the stand next door. They really don't try and sell you anything. And so you wander around and they think, gosh, everybody's ignoring me. And, you know, you go so many other places in the world. I mean, Jerry has been everywhere. You think about how many other places in the world. Man, you got people hanging on your ankle going, please, if you don't buy this, my children won't eat today. And, you know, in Tahiti, they're so ambivalent. They're like, ah, if you buy something, fine. If not, well, maybe you tomorrow. I mean, they just—they just really don't. They just really don't care, you know. So it's such a different experience to be able to go to town, go shopping, and not have that. So it, it is a I little bit it. different. It, it is. is a little bit different. I want yeah. to spend just a little bit of time uh, on a couple of subjects because um, they're so different, uh, unreal, like almost no place in the world that you can do. <clears throat> can you explain to us a little bit about the Arnui Three and uh, that experience? Because I went on the number one and the number two and the number three, and uh, but I, I most of the world doesn't know about that. Would you like to talk about the Arnui three? It's kind of neat, you know. The the world probably got the the best showcase of of what the Marquesas were, unfortunately, with the Survivor Television Show. You know, they exposed the Marquesas to sixty million Americans in 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 North America, and people never even heard of the Marquesas before. And and there were these there was this really great product out there. It's the northernmost archipelago in French Polynesia are the Marquesas Islands. It's where um, Gauguin is buried. Um, you have have a a pretty unique atmosphere for the uh, the geologic makeup of these islands. Firstly, the the Marquesas Islands, if you were to fly there, is about a three-hour flight north out of Tahiti. So you're at 10 degrees south of the equator. So you're eight full degrees closer than Tahiti is to the equator. But the unique portion of that is that there's this Antarctic cold water current that comes up from the south and actually goes right through the middle of the Marquesas Islands but bypasses the rest mm-hmm. of French Polynesia. So the different structure of, of the Marquesas is there are no white sand beaches because the water's too cold for coral to grow. And of course, white sand is just little dead bits of coral. It's all ground up into these beautiful fine sand beaches. And so it's a much different dramatic landscape. It has a lot less emphasis on that, that beautiful lagoon atmosphere, that beautiful white sand beach. And it has a lot more emphasis back on the, the traditional Marquesian culture. One of the things, Jerry, that you would have seen while you were there is that the Marquesians are very proud people, and they are not Tahitian. They're Marquesans, and they speak mm-hmm. a different language. They have much different tattoos. They have a much different culture. It's very similar, but still substantially different, and they really expand on those differences. Um, the Aranui 3 is an, is an atmosphere, and they, they describe themselves as a freighter to paradise, um, you know, a cargo vessel with with cruise ship comfort. And and for a lot of these islands, they don't have airports. So there is no way to fly there. So the only visitors that they receive to the islands are on board this cruise ship. 
but it's not really a cruise ship. It's an acting working freighter. And so for the people that are that are needing fuel oil, all of their staples that are coming from the outside world, um, generators, boat motors, anything that they would order from anywhere else in the world all comes on this one ship. But the really neat experience is that they have cruise ship cabins on board this working freighter. And so while they're in port offloading the items that they've brought for these islands, these remote islands in the Marquesas, you get a chance to go on shore and literally step back in time. You're visiting villages that, you know, don't have cars. You know, it's all foot traffic. It is very weird to go someplace where they don't have, you know, indoor running water, and yet there's still little kids running around in Michael Jordan T-shirts. Um, it's, it's still it's very unique to be able to step back and see how Melanie, or Polynesians lived, you know, a hundred years ago, and it's changed very little. You know, I, I think one of the things that the Aranui Cruise does is it really puts people from a year 2000, you know, the new age millennium into a, a time machine and take them back and let them see a culture that still remained almost virtually untouched from, from modern day internet from phones to they just are so remote and removed but still so happy to share their culture with you. You know, they don't view mm -hmm. us as being these wealthy people and, you know, we're just there on vacation. They actually think we've got it bad because they see how we come all stressed out and, you know, racing around like and they have such a different method and, and you know, uh, almost drive to their life, which is not to be stressed out and to do things at a very comfortable pace. And they want to share that with us. You know, the hand-woven hats, fans, the hand-carved hand goods, you know, it's an it's an uh, opportunity to go and, and they set up shell markets and things right in these different villages where you can go and shop and leave some money behind. But it's traditionally items that they make themselves. It's hand-carved goods that they've produced locally in the village. It's it's coconut oil that they've actually refined and processed themselves. It's um, tie-dyed um, it's tie-dyed parus and T5I. You know the hand-woven quilts, the, the Tahitian mm -hmm. quilts, and so there is a, a really neat opportunity not only to to step back in time and visit these villages, but also to take small pieces of that back home with you as a, as a memory. The Aranui cruise is is very unique because of that that working freighter aspect of it. So you are getting into places that would be so far beyond a normal cruise ship's port of call because there aren't 10,000 people there waiting to sell you stuff or take you to their bars or restaurants and so you can spend all this money. It's just the opposite. You really struggle to, to spend money and leave money behind with these great people that have been so hospitable with you because they just don't have that much stuff for you to buy. So it's a lot more about experiencing the culture and and that experience of, of immersing yourself in these Marquesan people and you know, so many people have seen tattoos, and now with the younger generation, people are getting tattoos all over the place, and, you know, more so now than ever. And really, in, in the Marquesas, you know, you, you get to learn about, you know, how sailors originally started getting tattoos, because they visited French Polynesia, and that's, you know, a lot of a lot of the, the Tahitians were tattooed from tip of their toes to the top of their head, and, you know, that's where they learned about them. And then, you know, they got tattoos, and then, you know, it was it's just interesting to see the whole history and how things, little things like that, you know, have have been. They've there's been scientists who come and documented the Marquesan alphabet that they that they had in in tattooed um, in tattooed insignias. And so, 
it, it's really interesting to see how they've evolved and developed and how this, these little group of islands way up north, you know, have influenced um, something that's now being viewed as artwork all around the world. And so, no, it's, it's, a, it's mm-hmm. a fabulous place. And the Aranui, while it's a little bit longer trip, you know, in, in 10 days because of the length of time it takes for the freighter to get up to the islands, it, it's well worth it. You know, I have people come back and, and talk about how, you know, it, it's it's life-changing stuff because it's very rarely when we come from America, we think we've got this incredible lifestyle and all these great things. You come back away from a trip from the Marquesas, you feel like those things really aren't that important. <laughs> you know, I found these people who are incredibly happy. They don't have anything like that, and they think <laughs> we've got it bad. And so it is kind of fun to be able to go away with and come back with a much uh, looking through through our lifestyle with a different set of eyes, I, I say, and and they, they really help to, to, to show you some really unique things about their way of life and, and how great they've got it. Now, some of the outer islands, such as the uh, Gambiers and the Australs and the Marquesas and, and those islands that are really quite away, well, not necessarily quite away, but farther away than most of the tourist islands from Papiete, the, um, do you want to talk a minute about uh, the hotels out there, the variety of hotels on the less, really less visited islands? You know, you're, you, probably on most of them you're going to find, I'll uh, say, for example, I mean, again, there's primarily, you know, down there they're doing a, uh, some small small cruise ship, um, you know, private yacht stuff for, for doing whale viewing. I have a lot of my friends who, who work in hotels in French Polynesia. That's where they go on vacation. If they want to go and experience something really unique, they'll go and charter a yacht and then travel through through the southern southern archipelagos and go see the whales and you know, it's also one of those places where you can still snorkel and scuba dive with whales in in their pristine environment. When you think about snorkeling or scuba diving with whales in in water that has you know over 200 feet of visibility, it is it is mm-hmm. a spectacular sort of experience. Mm-hmm. So you do have the opportunity to either view it by yacht, but also with with a few of the islands, you can have guest houses and pensions, and so. You know, it's a much different type and style of travel. You know, some of them require you to bring your own linens. You know, so they'll provide mattresses and beds, but you bring your own sheets and 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 pillowcases and those sort of things. And it's like staying with your Tahitian family. You know, these mm-hmm. are your Tahitian cousins. You're going down to stay in their guest room, and so you're eating meals with them. You know, three meals a day. You're dining with the family, and you say, "Oh, you know, would you like tuna for dinner tonight?" Yes. Okay. Well, let's go out and we'll go fishing for tuna, and they go out and catch tuna, and then they cook it for you <laughs> later on that. Day. Oh, would you like lobster for lunch tomorrow? Because after dinner tonight, we'll go out with the kerosene lanterns and go out on the reef and we'll collect crayfish and then we can have that tomorrow for lunch. And, you know, so it's a much different type and style of travel that, you know, you're you're almost immersing yourself within the, the Polynesian, you know, hospitality and their family structure. But I find that while it's uncomfortable for some people, other people come away and say, wow, you know, they just, and they will stay in contact with that Tahitian family for years and go back and visit them over and over again because of the relationship they made over five days, you know, because they want to save a few bucks and go see someplace really unique and, you know, they didn't anticipate making such a great relationship. So, you know, they're, with the small islands in, in the Tumotus like Tikihau and Manihi, you know, you do have mm-hmm. pearl resorts, which are, you know, 20 room properties that do have overwater bungalows and, and beautiful five star our resort sort of amenities in having a spa facility, having, you know, the Manea Spa, having, uh, you know, beautiful, beautiful food and beverage. You know, you're, you're traditionally finding some pretty incredible cuisine. You'll have a lot of French chefs come over, and when you start pairing up 
great French chef's sauces with beautiful fresh fruits and fishes of the South Pacific, you're typically coming away about, ooh, 6 to 12 pounds heavier depending on how many days you stay. So, you know, you have very few people who come away not finding some pretty incredible cuisine to, to try. There's, of course, you know, I always appreciate seeing a fish come up the end of the dock that was just caught, go into the back of the kitchen and come out a few hours later as sushi. It's really hard to eat sushi north of the equator after you after you after you get a chance to experience what it really is supposed to taste like when you're eating it from a from a from a property that that is just you know feet away from the Pacific Ocean and and has such rich fishing grounds. So, you know those those make for some pretty pretty incredible experiences. And I I think of the last time I was in Tiki how I went out and went fishing and caught a tuna and we brought it back to the hotel and they cooked it for us. But that night on the menu. It was Rodney's. It was it was Rodney's Pachon Cru. It was it. They actually said it was. This is Rodney's raw tuna fish. And so you know. So for the whole restaurant, they go, "Hey, cheers to Rodney! Thanks for the thanks for the great sushi." And so you know, there's not a lot of anonymity there. You know, it's like, man, we got this great tuna today, and you know, that was on special tonight. And so you know, I find that so many people will go down and say, "Oh, the special tonight's parrotfish," and it's because well, the local fishermen they buy their fish from. They went out that night. They got a bunch parrot fish and so you, you'll find yourself eating things that you traditionally wouldn't but because it was fresh and local and caught and if there was ever a time to eat parrot fish it's tonight because we just got all these in and it, it does make for some some really great experiences yeah. you know the the challenge that you have is you then come back to the states and you'll see you know uh, a different fish meal that you had in in the south pacific on a menu and you try it doesn't taste anything like that well so it's, it's a little bit hard that way but um it, it definitely you you do get an opportunity to blend some really unique flavors um with with the the influence of having that french culture so prominent with the polynesian people and the ingredients that they have locally so it's very 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 nice that way mm-hmm. Could we spend just a few minutes on um, some prices? In other words, I know we've been talking about a yacht tr- uh, charter because that there's nothing like coming up to an island from the ocean. I mean, it is a phenomenal experience. Could you talk about a little bit uh, how much it might cost to charter a yacht and maybe a little bit about cost of doing things, like if they want to go deep-sea fishing or maybe meals, if you had a – like um, a formal dinner, for example, at a, a formal restaurant or a more upscale one versus yeah. can you... You know, what I find little... What I find also is those those special meals. I'll address that for, for just a second because if there was ever right. one misperception about Tahiti, it's the cost of meals. And I have had a $26 hamburger in French Polynesia. It was really, really good, and I had an incredible view, but it was still 26 bucks. And so you know, some people really, you know, they're they're afraid of those stories. They've heard about, you know, $7 beers and those sort of things, and that, that does that does put them off on what, what their realistic ability is to travel around and eat and drink there for a week. And so food services I will find. I mentioned that I was there earlier this year and stayed at the Lasso. And a really great example of is is you know I ate off of the specials menu and and traditionally what I find is I will find things that a chef believes is is extraordinary and that's what they're going to have on special because of of new access to that that ingredient and I did a surf and turf so they did a they had a a lobster tail and a a small six ounce 
um, beautiful garlic mashed potatoes. I mean, a very classic mm. meal that you would find, you know, a lot of different places around the world, but done with the the intercontinental pizzazz and in, in their beautiful restaurant. You know, so you've got white linen tablecloths, beautiful, you know, fine dining experience, and that 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 dinner that evening was fifty four dollars. So that that was a three course meal, including a dessert, and uh, which I believe was a mango ice cream that night. And you know, so you've got surf turf, you know, lobster tail steak and mango ice cream with a salad. You know, for for fifty four dollars, that's not bad. I could have ordered a steak off of the menu that was, you know, $68, you know, by itself. But so I find that if you're watching the specials, you can, you can definitely get a better value for money ordering off of, off of, you know, what they're putting together as your specials. Also, I find what, what takes a lot of that guesswork out of it for people is, is buying meal plans. You know, being able to go for about $105 a day per person, you can pre-order, prepay for three meals a day at your resort. It's a little bit limiting in the fact that you're, you know, you're pre-purchasing your meals at the resort, so you'll be eating three meals a day at that resort instead of maybe venturing out for lunches and going out for the dinners off property and those sort of things. But it definitely helps you establish a very fixed cost for what you're going to be spending on your on your food and beverage when you when you are down there. So, you know, there there's a tremendous amount of off-property locales, especially in Tahiti at, at like um, the roulottes down on the waterfront, to be able to go down and, and eat off the carts, you know, one cart is roasting a goat on an open spit, the next cart down is Chinese noodles, the next one down is incredible crepes and, you know, chocolate crepes, mm-hmm. and and you can literally go around for $20, eat 15 different things, and every one of those things <laughs> be incredible, and so, you know, it's some place where I spend three hours there, I, I can I can stretch out at night at the Roulotte for about three hours, I'll have a little bit of that, and I go over here, they got great bread and garlic bread over here, and then you come back over here for Chinese noodles, and oh, we got to have a crepe here, and we can't go home without having a gelato. So it, it's a very unique, unique um, cluster of, of things that you can you can try and sample. So you know you can be as reserved as you'd like in Tahiti, or you can be as you know walking down on the waterfront and buying stuff off the the roulottes, You know, as as exciting as you'd like. So. For us, you know, the the type and style of packages that we traditionally sell are airfare inclusive out of out of the west coast of of the states, or we now have nonstop air service from from JFK three times a week, and of course daily service on two different airlines on both Air France and Air Tahiti Nui from from Los Angeles. So mm-hmm. with our packages, we've got a, a special right now that we're doing, which is a round trip airfare, six nights accommodation. And that's good up through the 31st of March, but it's 19.99 a person, and it includes yeah. all meals. And so wow. you, you do have opportunities to have fly, stay, you know, in a garden room, spend your money, and have some some meals already included because you're going during what what most would consider a, a lower season. But still, for a couple thousand dollars, you know, you can you can go down there and get in the game and and mm-hmm. have your meals and stuff included. The activities and excursions they can be pretty expensive. You know, by by world standards, they're going to be very typical of what you would find in a Maui or in a Cancun. You know, if you want to go on a four-hour jet ski tour around Bora Bora, including lunch, is about two hundred eighty dollars a person. Um, it's a guided trip. 
you know, they, it's like I mentioned, it's four hours long. You stop at a variety of of, of islands around the, the lagoon. You do some swimming, snorkeling. You have a picnic basket lunch on a deserted beach and come back. And, you know, I say it's expensive. It's $280, but it's a really good value. I mean, it's what you should be mm-hmm. doing while you're on vacation in Bora Bora is getting out on mm-hmm. that lagoon and going around the island and taking great pictures. And they provide everybody with a waterproof bag to go in the seat of your jet ski so that you can take your camera with you and, and you know, take pictures of, of, of how you're spending the day. So, you know, some of those sort of things are, while, while top dollar, they're still a very, very good value. Um, big game fishing is about $1,100 a day for, for a full crewed boat um, charter, which will fish up to six people. Uh, they do have an IGFA annual event in, in French Polynesia out of Bora Bora because they have, they have big game fish. That big Pacific Ocean surrounding their waters produces a lot of marlin, mai mai, tuna, um, wahoo. Uh, you, you, so you do have some tremendous opportunities. So while expensive, well, if you have four people going, well, you know, you're 250, mm-hmm. 300 bucks each and, and you get a day on a, on a half a million dollar big game fishing boat. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's going to be, it's going to be of a similar price to what you would find in, say, Kona. Probably the biggest difference that I still find that, that's worth mentioning in French Polynesia is that tipping is not a mandatory item. You're still finding that a lot of the locals don't tip at restaurants. You're still finding that they're paid a, a living wage. Their wage structure on working in restaurants is much different than ours in the States. We are very anxious to tip all the time everywhere we sit down for a meal, regardless of where we are in the world. In the Pacific, it's still not the norm. So, you know, what I would say is when you're, when you're looking at, at a menu, the things that I appreciate about Tahiti is that it's not always plus tip plus tax. They still put all of their menu items on as the real cost as they're going to show up on your room charge or on your credit card slip. Uh, on my last meal that I had next door to the prime minister at the Hotel Bora Bora, when I gave them my credit card and they brought it back, they'd already run the card. There wasn't even a line on the, on the charge slip to put a tip on there. And I left a cash tip, but, you know, it was, a, it was $10 or whatever. And, man, she lit up like a Christmas tree, you know, because she wasn't expecting to get a tip. And, you know, most people down there don't leave them. So I, I still tell people that I'm a better tipper than the president of Tahiti. So um, <laughs> it, 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 it is pretty unique, though, that way, that you do have these great activities. They're of good quality and value. But because of the euro, you know, if we had the euro come back down, man, Tahiti would seem like a bargain. But unfortunately, it's at a pretty pretty big exchange rate these days, and so the U.S. dollar is not as favorable as, as what you would have found, you know, a few years ago. So, in in trying to fight against that, we're we're definitely trying to to make sure that that you know with the packages and specials that we're negotiating now, that you know we're trying to offset for some of that that exchange rate increase that you would see for the charter yachts and those sort of things. Wow, it's 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 really it's a great experience. There's a few new companies that are out there that will actually let you book as two people into a fixed departure on a six-person yacht. And so, you know, some of those sort of things, you know, are going to run anywhere from about 4500 to $6,500 a person for a seven-night stay with meals included on board a yacht sailing through, say, the Tuamotos or Society Islands. Uh, most of your departures on those are going to be out of Bora Bora, and they'll take off sailing from there, and, and it's, it's pretty, pretty neat experiences. If going on a real small boat isn't your your 
your bag, then you have much bigger ships like the Regent, um, the Gauguin, you know, which are 600 passenger cruise ships, 350 cabin, that still has, um, you know, a lot of Tahitian crew is sailing through those beautiful pristine islands. You get on board in Papieta, you unpack once, you get to see five islands, you unpack again when you, you pack up again when you get off in Tahiti and you don't have to worry about any of the domestic airports. And so that also takes care of your meal challenges with those being provided on board the ship. And it's a really fabulous way to, 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 to see French Polynesia. I, however, prefer that in-between option, which is with Bora Bora Cruises, you've got the Tia Moana and Tua Moana, which are 25 cabin luxury cruise yachts. And it is like going on Bill Gates' private, you know, boat. These are, are really incredible experiences for about $7,000 a person on a six-night, seven-day sailing out of Bora Bora. And that's all-inclusive, all meals, all alcohol. And you're on a, like a private private yacht. The really neat part about that is is where you're spending your days are on remote, deserted beaches. You know, at nighttime, they will go out and string up a curtain, a, a sheet, in between two coconut trees, and they'll actually show black and white movies under the stars. <laughs> And that's your entertainment for the evening. You go out and you take your shoes off and they set up all these chairs like a theater and they, they play Casablanca under the stars, you know, on a screen strung up in between two coconut trees. And you're thinking, how could it get better than this? And it's a very simple, you know, not a very costly thing, but as far as experiences go, it's, it is one of those things you come back and say, it was, it was fabulous. So, you know, there, there are a ton of different options, both on land and water from, from, 50-foot cruise ship catamaran, you know, 50-foot catamarans to 125-foot um, luxury cruise ships, you know, with 25 cabins to, you know, the the bigger, more, more, which by Prince's standards would be a boutique-style ship in the, the Regent line, in the Gauguin. But, uh, and then if you want to get really crazy and, and, and exotic, then something like the Aranui Freighter, you know, there's not a lot of your neighbors that are going to have gone on a working freighter to the Marquesas Island to drop off food and supplies <laughs> to the locals that you got to meet and now all know personally. So it, it definitely is, is, a, is a pretty broad palette of, of things that you can come away with, with different types and styles of experiences from the traditional exclusive resort to the really wild, out in the middle of nowhere sort of Aranui cruise and, and everything in between. Well, Rodney, thank you. This has been a fabulous French Polynesian experience. Now, Chris, I didn't talk you out of wanting to go, did I? Now you were kind of leaning well, no. like you'd like to go there one of these days, so yeah. I didn't say anything that was going to have you not wanting to visit, did I? No, sign me up. Well, uh, sign me up right away. Yeah, I, I, I was on your website well, I too. I, I was on your website looking at all the photos when you were talking and everything, and all the tours. I was like, oh my gosh, it, it looks amazing. <laughs> Yeah. What, 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 what's your website again? You want to tell everybody, the listeners, that they can look. We're at www.sunspotsintl.com. Sunspotsintl.com, and just click on Tahiti, and and there should be a whole myriad of choices there for you to to look at with pricing and different options and. Yeah. Of course, keep in mind that one of the things that also makes our company a little bit different is every single one of our staff has been there. So oh, nice. the same sort of first-person experience that you've just heard from me is the same sort of experience that you can get from every single one of our reservation team as well. They've all been there. They've all swam in the lagoons. They've all 
fed the fish from their from their rooms. They've all um, eaten in the restaurants and can provide tips on travel and, and experience and that first person. You know, what are the differences? You look at our website and you're going to see a ton of different resorts and islands, and it's hard sometimes yeah. for somebody even with, with the Internet at their back to, to say, well, what really is the difference in between these hotels? And it's really great to talk to somebody, and that is a unique thing these days in selling travel. You get to talk to somebody and um, who, more importantly, has actually been there. So those sort of things really really make it nice, and I think that's why people come back so happy is they're, they're buying travel from people who know, who have Jerry's experience in, in getting down there. You know, those are the people that are, that, are, that are really getting the right products for them. You know, you, you've heard about so many different things you could do. If you can match up that right customer with that right product, it, it, it makes for uh, people who shout it from the rooftops about what a fabulous time and experience it was. Oh, great. Thank you so very much. Yeah, thank you.